Welcome back to your mother's favorite sports podcast, Clocks on the Stove. Champions, how are we doing today? Your usual host, myself, Mr. Grayson Fisher, my co-host, the lovely one and only Zach Watts. Today, episode 69, Nice. we're going to be breaking down a little NFL divisional round recap of the playoffs. And it was a roller coaster of emotions, I would say. Um, Our picks did all right. They didn't do terrible. Um, But yeah, there's a lot to dive into here. So let's just uh, let's start one foot in front of the other. Our first game, Jacksonville Jaguars were at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs took this one 27 to 20. The way I would describe this game to someone that doesn't watch football is that the Jags got as far as they could with great coaching and heart. And then when they were met with the same coaching and heart, but with more skill, they couldn't hang. You know, they're just they're just a, a puzzle piece or two away. If you're a Jags fan or you're a player for the Jags, you're still incredibly happy. And I mean, dude, if, if you take rid of, get rid of that fumble, Jags kind of maybe win this game because that's that's or that drop pass where they had to kick a field goal instead of a touchdown. It's a different game. It's a that's a this is twenty four twenty seven game now. It's twenty twenty seven game. It's a little different. You know, it happens. It is what it is. The Chiefs, though, looked great per usual, but Patty's got a high ankle sprain, and he's so, so vital to that offense. Chad Henney, though, looked like a dog out there. Good for him. It was cool to see him out there balling. But um, I don't know, man. I, I don't think the Jags are bad. I think they're very good. And, and one thing they did too, Zach, and it's something that you stated um, that they needed to do going into this game was they needed to utilize ETN, and they did that very much so. He was utilized the entire game. I mean, he almost had 100 all-purpose yards, and he had a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence looked like regular Trevor Lawrence. He didn't look like the caliber Trevor Lawrence we've seen this year. We're like, holy shit, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And he didn't look like last week's Trevor Lawrence. We're like, holy shit, this kid sucks. He looked like an average Trevor Lawrence, 54.5 QBR, sacked twice for 12 yards, one tutty, one pick, nothing crazy. Um, but the Chiefs, man, they're good. They move the ball around. That's one thing I love about the Chiefs is they don't really have like a number one guy. I mean, I guess you could say, I, I guess you could say, um, Travis Kelsey, but like, you know, they really move the rock around. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people with a rushing attempt, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people with a catch. So they do a really good job moving the ball around. Patty was very limited which I think they're able to get away with with the Jags. I don't think they get away with this next week with his mobility against the Bengals. But next week's not what we're talking about. We're just recapping this game. Uh, I think Dougie P is still a savage. I think he's great. Talking about kicking a field goal at the end just to cover the fucking spread. Awesome move. Um, yeah, and I think I, I think really what this game comes down to is what's going to happen with Patty. You know, that's, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I think the Jags are going to be good. And I think, I think they get a couple good draft pieces. They start putting it together. If you think about it, they're kind of like a year behind because the Urban Meyer year last year kind of like set them back more than it like prepared them, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's all I really got to say on that game, Zach, if you want to add your input. Yeah, so first and foremost, it's kind of crazy how we're already setting expectations on a Jag team that's one year removed from the Urban Meyer kind of experiment. You know, we had a lot of, speculation around around whether Trevor Lawrence is really that guy in Jacksonville but you know with WP entering into the picture he completely turned around the kind of atmosphere for the Jacksonville Jaguars I think they consider themselves a playoff team I think a lot of the fans are a little reminiscent 
of like, damn, if only we would have had Trevor Lawrence instead of Blake Bortles on that 2017 squad, how much different our playoff run would it be? But, you know, hindsight's always 2020. You wish you could do some things different. But as for the game itself, you know, the Jags played a great game. Obviously, you're face up against a dynasty, a juggernaut in the Andy Reid system. You know, literally Patrick Mahomes went out and you thought you'd be able to take advantage. And Chad Henney leads a 90-yard touchdown drive. You know, one of my predictions was that Cooper Rush was going to get a touchdown this weekend, but I think I had the wrong, I had a premonition about a backup QB. It was just the wrong backup QB that was like speaking to me. So I should have, should have had Chad Henney uh, more in my like frontal cortex, but you know, we make mistakes. Another thing I'll say. Real quick to interrupt you. Did either one of um, Riley's first touchdown picks hit? No, Will Cox didn't. And um, Richie James. Yeah. Richie James did not hit either. So neither of those hit, unfortunately, but Back to the game, you know, it's already hard enough to win when you're faced up against a great team, but how in the actual fuck do the Chiefs only have one penalty called against them for five yards? How? There were multiple roughing the passer calls that I saw missed. Now, I don't like roughing the passers called anyway, but if you're going to call them, at least be consistent with them. I'm tired of seeing it just go one way or another. Yeah, if you're going to be bad, stay being bad. Don't try to be good and bad. You're either good or bad. Exactly. And it just felt like the Chiefs could do no wrong. And it wasn't to say that they actually played perfect football. No, they made plenty of mistakes from what I saw. But the refs were reluctant to throw any penalties merely based off the fact that they were in Arrowhead and they didn't want to get booed out of the stadium by the fans. I'm sorry, call a fair game, make it competitive for both sides. It just seemed like the Jaguars were already dealt a shitty hand and you made it even worse against them. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that to take away anything from what the Chiefs did. You know, they much deservingly played a great game and deserved to win that game rightfully so. But I just felt like the Jags were kind of cheated a little bit. Um, another thing I'll say, Chris Collinsworth. I was just about to say that. Me. I was just about to say that. If I have to watch this man suck off Patrick Mahomes any harder on national television, I'm just going to start downloading the TV porn you watch at your hotels. Like, I'm literally just going to look up Chris Collinsworth deep throat Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Man's is <laughs> calling him King Patrick and is sucking him off for a pump fake throwaway. By the way, by the way, that 100% should be a fumble. I get based off the rule book that like, Oh, his arms going forward and the ball came out of his hand. That's a pass. I'm sorry. It was clear as day. Anyone with fucking eyes can tell you that he pump faked it and the ball slipped out. If it slips out, that's a fumble. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, I don't give a fuck what your rule book says. Switch it up. They already have changed the rules. I'll kind of go on a tangent uh, here about like rule sets, protecting quarterbacks. We're already protecting quarterbacks with late hits, roughing the passers, such and such. We're making quarterbacks prolong their careers. When are we going to start punishing quarterbacks for blatantly throwing balls away, making shitty passes? Like, dude, if your O-line straight up just lets all five men through, rather than getting penalized for just throwing the ball away, I can literally look at my running back and throw the ball at his feet with no intention of completing a pass, and I'm not penalized just because, oh, he was in the area. That's bullshit. I showed no attempt to actually complete a pass. I just threw the ball away so I wouldn't take a sack. How was that fair? How was that fair? It's not at all. I think it's complete bullshit. I think they need to take a look at the rules in order to somehow penalize quarterbacks for these dumbass moves that they make. And I get it. Yeah, it would slow down a lot of drives. It would also stunt a lot of like just dumbass shit that creates such high scoring games. Like we have what the highest scoring era of all time ever. I think the average quarterback QBR is like upwards of like 90. Like that's ridiculous, dude. It kind of goes back to the thing that we talked about in the beginning of the season with Tom Brady, where it's like, why are we penalizing cornerbacks for lighting up receivers when it's easy when we should be penalizing the quarterback for throwing 
the ball in a for lead, for throwing a ball to a defenseless receiver. You know, it's right. the same concept. Like if I'm if I just throw a freaking post down the middle, yeah, the safety's gonna crack my receiver. That's why they teach you to not throw that. But who gets in trouble? The safety for making a play, not the quarterback for fucking over his receiver. It's the same thing. We're in a we're, we're in. I don't know the reason why Zach, but. I will admit, Shimmy said something to me the other day, uh, not even the other day, like a year ago, that, that really stuck with me. It's like one thing that hurts the NFL publicity-wise is that there's not an attachment to players like there is with other sports because you can't see their face. And I think what they're trying to do is by, by idolizing quarterbacks and making quarterbacks like the fame and the face of the teams, it's giving more of like a realistic field like soccer where there's like a main guy on each team or like basketball or even like an individual sport like MMA or tennis where it's like all about that guy. So I feel like they're trying to make it more like that in football as well, and they're trying to do it through the quarterback position because, you know, every kid wants to be a quarterback. And no kid growing up is like, I want to be an offensive center. No, that's not like you want to be a quarterback or running back. Like, that's how you grow up, you know. And I feel like that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to buy into that because it's going to help them more in the long run. And I don't know if this is going to work. I don't, I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I just think that's my opinion on the situation. Yeah, I'm actually excited uh, for the USFL because one of the things they allow is for people to get absolutely murdered in their yeah. league, while also they still protect their players. Like, it's not like they're just going out there and allowing you to like, just get CTE for the fun of it. No, they're just pretty much telling you like, hey, if you make a dumbass mistake, there is repercussions for you being a actual imbecile. So do that as you will. Speaking of USF, USFL players, uh, shout out. Cowboys kick returner uh, Turpin. He should have had a house call, by the way. We'll get to that later. But um, just well, dude, a little, it's kind of like the same concept in, in, in MMA. Like if I keep my hand down, I'm going to get fucking punched in the face. You know, right. and like when you're a little kid and you're holding, you're, you're hitting mitts with your coach for the first time, every time you throw a punch and both hands come down, he smacks you in the face. You know what happens? You fucking learn to keep your hands up. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's the same thing in football. If, if, if I'm a quarterback and I throw a shitty pass that kills my receiver, I'm not going to throw that anymore. Or the receiver's going to just not try to catch it. You're going to learn, you know, but yeah. for punishing the guy that makes a play, no one's learning from this. If anything, they're going to use that to their advantage to help drives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I Another... do agree with the Chris Collinsworth thing. Uh, I saw a tick, I saw a tweet and it was like Chris Collinsworth on Patty Mahomes. And it's Patty just like throwing it in the dirt. And they're like, yep. what a phenomenal play. Like so smart, <laughs> such high level. And then Trevor Lawrence throws like a 60 yard dot and then and Christian Kirk drops it. And he's like, See, the problem is Trevor Lawrence doesn't know how to put it on the money. He doesn't have the arm for long enough. I'm like, bro, shut the fuck up, Chris. Yeah, uh, it's almost as bad as Tony Romo with uh, Josh Allen. Like, Tony Romo loves Josh Allen. He, like, always says, he's like, yeah, man, Josh Allen's got some Super Bowls under his belt. It's like, dude, no, the fuck yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want shit. He, he doesn't want championship. shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, girl, come on. But, oh, man, it's so annoying to just have to watch that because – it's not Patty's fault that Chris is doing that, but it just innately makes you hate Patty more. Like, like Patty already beat the like Mahomes and Brittany allegations with like his wife. Like he already beat those allegations by having I don't know what talk they got in offseason. Yeah, yeah, he killed it. Yeah, that's <laughs> a tweet or post from either one of them all year. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, look. He goes, I want to make a run at the MVP. Y'all better shut the fuck up <laughs> Dude, or I'm going to kill you. I saw on TikTok. It's like, damn, it's crazy. We're going to playoffs, and I haven't seen one – one, uh, what's his brother's name? I haven't Jackson. seen um, one Jackson Mahomes dance or Patty's wife crying or screaming at him yet. Like, he's obviously – him and his agent did something to change that shit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny to me. And then after that, you have – you go from Brittany, being a pro Brittany and Jackson being a problem to now Chris Collinsworth is just on him. They're going to have to <laughs> – 
Patty Mahomes' agent is going to have to, like, sit in the booth with Chris Collinsworth, and every time he goes, like, compliment Patty, he's just going to get, like, whipped in the back with, like, a little, like, like one a little of those, like, Yeah, you're just going to tase him a little bit, and they're going to be like, oh, God, fuck. Just going to be yeah, looking at him, uh, like, oh, my God. That's everything I really got to say on the Chiefs. Jags recap, if you got anything else you want to add. Um, no, high expectations for the Jags moving forward. You know, they'll be a good team in years to come. I'm glad Dougie P is working I things out. I believe, if I'm team. not mistaken, they have a pretty decent draft pick. Maybe. Possibly. Would be surprised. I might be. Their division is very weak as of right now. AFC South is not strong. Texans, Colts, and Texans, Colts, Titans. Texans, Colts, and Titans, not very strong. So they could win that division for a while. Trevor Lawrence also finally lost on a Saturday, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. Fuck. Yeah. I don't know what draft pick they have, to be honest with you. It is what it is. But, yeah, yeah, but moving on to our next game, a game I don't really have much to say. It did not go the way I thought. Like, I thought the Chiefs-Jags game was going to go the way the Eagles-Giants game did, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, the Eagles are legit. I only watched the first half. I, I didn't watch any of the second half. I went to bed and it was yeah, like 28-0. I, I turned it off after, after Jalen Hurts ran it in 28-0. I was like, yeah, this yeah, is I was like, it's done. And I don't know really what to say to you, Zach. It was uh, – I don't have like an analytical breakdown on it. I have more of like a football guy sitting on the couch and watching it review. It seemed like none of the players, the Giants on offense or defense were in sync. They didn't know what was going – they looked confused. They looked like they didn't know what was going on. And the Eagles looked fucking flawless. Their defense showed up. And on offense, dude, I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts is my MVP. Like, the way he runs that offense and to see the difference of the same team with Gardner and then him, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And Gardner's not a bad quarterback at all. It's unbelievable. They, they, they bought into Jalen Hurts. They believe in Jalen Hurts. And when he got drafted, I don't know, remember this, there was so much shit like, why would we get – we have Nick Foles, like, blah, blah, blah. So many people shit-talking I was so big on him. I was yeah, so big on him. Yeah, I was huge on him. I thought he was per- – I thought going to Oklahoma was a good move for him. I'm a big – I am no, no way an Eagles fan. I don't give a shit about the Eagles, but I'm a very big Jalen Hurts fan. I, he wins my MVP personally, especially now with Patty. I mean, I guess maybe the only other person you could talk about is McCaffrey or or um, or Joe Burr. But I, I would give my MVP to Jalen Hurts. He led that team, bro. There was never a second – there was never a moment in this in the first half, at least, Zach, that I watched that I was like, oh, my God, you know, the Giants are going to come back and have, like, what the Jags did. Like, they they put their foot on the gas and then didn't let go the entire four quarters. They weren't – they didn't get comfortable when they got a lead. They were like, let's get more. And their their, their coach is great. I don't – I also want to reflect real quick. I don't want to shit on the Giants. It's kind of like the Jags. They went farther than they were supposed to, and they're still missing a couple pieces. They got a first-year coach, like – I still think Dabal should win coach of the year. I still think the Giants have a bright future. I don't think it's anything against them. I just think the Eagles are as good as they say they are, and it's I'm tired of all these fucking Stephen A. Smiths and Colin Cowherds and all these guys trying to debunk them. No, they're, they're fucking good. They are the best team in the NFC right now. Yeah, I agree. The one thing I'll say about – it's a tale of two, two sides when I look at these teams. You know, from the Giants' side of things, they were a terrible team last year. They brought in Dabal. And he completely changed around the functionality of the team. You know, they completely rewired how their offense is going to work. Defense, they're just stacking up uh, talent on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they're just kind of reworking 
what they need to address. Obviously, they didn't have any wide receiver help, so they need to address that in the offseason. So they'll make some improvements there. For the Eagles side of things, though, they addressed every single flaw that they had in the offseason. I know I sound like a broken record. We've kind of gone over this before. But you look at the Eagles, needed some secondary help. Secondary help. CJ Gardner Johnson brought in as a safety. Oh, you have a you're not and getting a Darius good... Slay stepped the fuck up this year too. Yeah, Darius Slay stepped up hugely, but I think that's due in part because he has good guys around him. Uh, he's always been good, but you know your your good play is amplified when you also have good guys around you. That's yeah, because he's not having to do as much. He can focus on what he needs to do rather than trying to make up for the lack of. Exactly. Additionally, their pass rush was pass rush was kind of weak. Bringing Robert Quinn from the Bears, who was a stud, has played phenomenally for them. Offensive side of the ball to help Hurts out. What are we going to do? We're going to sign a number one wide receiver to complement uh, our number two, Devontae Smith. Boom. Brought in A.J. Brown. Fantastic. Doing everything right. Bring in a new young fresh head coach in Nick Sirianni. He's great. He's a people pleaser. Crowd favorite. He loves him. He's just that Philly personality. Like I've said before, he's just that Philly asshole kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. We've said it before. You know, hate. We hate the fans, but we like the team because it's just such a local team, you know. We've seen the Kelsey brother podcast. It's so much fun to watch. I love the Dude, Kelsey a, brothers, bro. By the way, if it's a Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl, that, that podcast is going to blow up. Yeah, that that podcast may go nuclear. Well, speaking on that too, the O line for the Eagles, I feel like, is incredibly underrated, dude. Jalen has so much time. When he rolls out, they roll out with him. Like his 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 connection he has with his O line is like almost college. It's like goes back to college, you know. He has such a good connection and communication with his O-line. Like, there's never a time where Jalen does something and his O-line doesn't know what's going on. I feel like they move together in unison, and I think that's why he's also so successful. This O-line is good, dude. They're fucking good. Yeah, I agree. From uh, the game perspective itself, you know, like you said, it was just a complete outclassing, just better team showed that they were better. One of the plays that I think really exemplified what type of game this was is it was a third and one in the first quarter. And the Eagles line up in their traditional uh, I formation kind of goal line set, which you know that QB sneak is coming. They've been adamant. They've been sitting on it all year. You know it's coming. They know it's coming. Giants stack the box exactly like they're supposed to. They're completely ready for it. What do the Eagles do? Fake QB sneak pitch to the outside, pitch to the outside to Miles Sanders, breaks it off for like 20 plus. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh, you're fucked. Like you, you literally have no choice at stopping them. They're just going to move the ball at will. Like you're literally – counting on Jalen Hurts selling this game in order for you to win. And it's just not going to happen against a team like the Eagles. You know, they're playing too good at football right now. They're playing like a true Super Bowl contender should. I, it's just It was a scary team to watch, and it was it didn't make for a fun playoff game. You know, the Giants have a lot to yeah, afford. Especially since I thought the Giants were going to fucking win. Yeah, we – shit. One thing that I thought was hilarious <laughs> that I saw – was it was like shame on the Vikings for making us think that the Giants were Super Bowl contenders. Shame <laughs> on the shame on the goddamn Vikings, man. They are they're so fraudulent. They make other teams look like Super Bowl contenders, and then you see them play actual Super Bowl contenders, and you're like, okay, well, that's what a real team looks like. Yeah. Like you're you're just fake. Like I don't need to see that shit again. But I mean, I'm happy for the Giants to get where they did. No one had any faith in them going into the season. No one had them making the playoffs. So the fact that they made it to the playoffs, won a playoff game. And got to where they were. Uh, shout out to them. But, you know, Eagles are on a different kind of mission right now with the MVP leading the charge. Yeah. What do you think about Miles um, Sanders? Do you think he, what do you think of him as a running back overall? Because I feel like I never hear his name being talked about as good running backs. You know, numbers wise, he's solid. But I think what 
the Eagles do exceptionally well is they are running back by committee team, which most teams are, you know, you have uh, Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield, you have Miles Sanders, and you also have Boston Scott, the Giants owner, who they just play consistently well on anytime they put them in. And they have plug and play packages for each player. You know, it's not like, it's not like they're using them just because one guy's fatigued and another guy is going in. No, when they bring in Miles Sanders, they know what he's effective at. They're going to use him extremely effectively. Who's their, who's their other back again? Boston Scott or yeah, Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, yeah, I forgot they got those guys. Either, either or, they all work super effectively, especially in red zone packages. It seems like Miles Sanders is that number one guy. Well, it seems he is that number one guy. But Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott step up when they need to. It's Dude, not I like think, they're. I think every NFL team should do that, Zach. And you look at guys like Saquon. You look at guys like Christian McCaffrey. What's their biggest flaw? It's not their talent. It's not their skills. It's not their hands. It's not. It's their injuries, and it's because they're touching the ball sixty percent of the time. Why not? Dude, when, if you're an NFL running back, you have showed you are good enough to play there. Why are you going to take the beating you took in college? There's no there's no need for it. And I think one reason why this helps, obviously the offensive line for the Eagles is spectacular. But like you said, if you can plug any three of those running backs in and they know what they're going to do and they play their part, you know, and that's what makes them good. And if you look at a lot of – look at good Patriots teams. They ran multiple running backs. Look at good – look at all these good elite teams. Even in, the, even in college, like Georgia ran multiple running backs. TCU ran multiple running backs. Michigan ran multiple running backs. Like, it, it, it's too hard of a position. It, this is in the 80s, bro. Like, we're not going to Mike Allscott it and just let him get CTE. Like, we're going to move the ball around and we're going to change it. The other thing I want to state, and we talked about this with the Giants last week. I want to talk about it with the Eagles today. They move the ball around so much. So, it's so hard to defensively plan for them because any single person on that offense could touch that ball that play. You know what I mean? Like, Jalen Hurts could have it. They, they you ne- they everyone gets touches. They all move it around, and it makes it super hard. Versus when you play a team that, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have anyone in particular from these teams, but that have just like a number one running back, a number one receiver. They don't do too well. They're moving the ball around tremendously. I mean, look at the Bucks; they didn't move the ball around at all. And they got fucking clapped, you know. And I think that's one thing the Eagles do. Nick Sirianni does a good job with too. He's like, we don't have a true number one threat, and if they, the ball's in someone's hands, they're going to make a play. And I like that; I, I really do. Yeah, you see. Uh other teams that use it successfully, even teams that aren't adamant about the run game. Like we know the Eagles won their game with over 200 yards rushing on the game on the ground. Look at the chiefs. The chiefs are adamant about the pass. You know, their run game is kind of just like a brush away. They kind of just are more reliant on screens, uh, speed, jet sweeps, stuff like that. But when they do have their running backs in, they have Isaiah Pacheco. They have Clyde Edwards later when they need to, obviously he's not used anymore. They have Jerick McKinnon. You know, these guys are, extremely good in the receiving game as well as good running backs. But what makes them so effective is they allow them to play at a hundred percent the entire game. But what happens is they just go one drive at a time. You know how easy it is for a running back to just go hundred percent for the entire game. If he gets one to two drives off in between every drive, like I'm not saying it's like extremely easy. Obviously I'm not a professional running back, but just from a standpoint of like rest and being able to not get injured so much. Like I feel like that's what the 49ers are even doing extremely well is, the reason why Chris McCaffrey kind of got ran into the ground in Carolina is because he was the only guy that they had on the field. Like if he wasn't on the field, they were losing games with the 49ers. You could just throw in Elijah Mitchell for a couple plays and you'll be fine. Cause when McCaffrey even Debo, comes back even in, Debo. even Debo, like no matter what you could just McCaffrey can be like, yeah, let me uh, take a player two off here. And they're not as impacted from it. That's why like most teams are going to become effective just by switching guys out there. You're not going to be, you're not going to be like in the NBA where you can play a full 48 minutes. Too it's physical. not it's way too physical. Yeah, it's it's just not going to happen anymore. So re- have depth 
over just stars. Obviously, your stars are going to win you games, but the only way your stars are going to win you games is if they're in the game. It's the only way it's going to work out. So I think it's it truly speaks to how good these championship caliber teams are because they have the depth to get them there. It's not just one or two guys carrying the load. So well, that, and then think about what you just said, Zach, the championship teams. We're not sitting here talking about, oh, look, Jalen Hurts carried the Eagles or Patty carried the Chiefs or this, that. I wouldn't say there's a single game this whole weekend where one individual carried their team. Maybe Joe Burrow a little bit, but even still, it's like they're the reason for their success is their championship teams. They're finding how to put everything together. It's a team sport. And I think that's one reason why these teams that we just named, the Chiefs and the Eagles, are doing so well. They're playing as a team. They're playing in unison. There's not many holes, and that's why their success is there. That's why I'm not a big believer on dropping a quarter of a million dollars on one guy. You can get a guy. Quarter of a billion. Sorry. Sorry, Russ. The quarter of a billion dollars on one guy. Like you can get a guy for a hundred million less and then use the extra hundred and twenty-five million to get three dudes. You know, and then speaking on the on the on the the drive thing that you said, bro, that makes you the second half, it makes you so much scarier. Cause when that defense is worn down and you have a fresh, pretty much like an eighty percent fresh running back, that's hard, bro. Cause his speed's still there. He's not fatigued. And then also, like you said, it makes you less injury prone. Right? That's the way right way to say that less injury prone. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not fatigued and your muscles aren't as exhausted. Yeah, I agree. But that wraps up our Saturday slate of games. I don't know if you have anything anything more to add on those. Yeah, it hurts for MVP, bro. Yep, exactly. But moving on to our Sunday games, uh, these games were very exciting. I was These were the two better happy. games. Yeah, these were the two better games. Yeah, very happy with the results of these two. Starting us off with the Bengals and Bills. Dude, the Bengals and their bulletin board material, man, there is no better comparison for Joe Burrow than Tom Brady, in my opinion. Uh, I'm sorry, but – Zach pulling a Chris Collinsworth right now. Yeah. You, want, you, want to, you want to talk about meat ride? I'm going to meat ride Joe Burrow right now. He's every – like just so fucking good at what he does. You had, you had the NFL selling tickets for Chiefs-Bills AFC championship game in Atlanta before the Chiefs – and before the Bills, Bills yeah, before the yeah, yeah, before the Bills Bengals game, and you just act like the Bengals are just gonna lay over and be like, Yeah, like, you see fuck. Joe Burrow post game say that, yeah, yeah, no, that was my that favorite was, thing ever. Dude, he goes, This man has so many fucking cold ass moments, dude. Yeah, he's like, Better, better get them refunds out, <laughs> better get them refund, like, hell yeah, dude, like, fuck yeah, that gets me so hyped, dude. I'm sorry, the fact that you held a Bills team at home to 10 points. That is some dog shit right there. Like, Dude, they I feel like that's another thing. Them. We don't ever hear about the Bengals defense, ever. If anything, yeah. I feel like last year we talked about how bad they were. Yeah. And now it's yeah. like they stepped the fuck up. Also, Josh Allen's a sellout, in my opinion. I'm sorry. I think he's extremely overrated. I was big on him because my dad had him in fantasy, so my dad was in my ear all the time telling me how great he is. I think he's a sellout. I think he tries to do too much. See, I'm not going to hold that against Josh Allen. And the reason why I say this is because I don't think he's at fault for trying to do too much. If you take away Josh Allen from that team, they are extremely weak offensively. I, I can, I agree, Zach, but we're talking about a guy in the beginning of this year, people were saying he's, he's going to cement a hall of fame career. I, the way I viewed him is I was like, this is the prove it year to step into that upper echelon of quarterbacks. Like I, I know we've had Did that. Did he do it? Did he do it in your opinion? No, 
again, another great regular season, but I need, I need to see postseason numbers. If you want to be considered like a hall of fame guy, like I regular season quarterbacks are give and go. Like Ryan Tannehill is a great regular season. Kirk quarterback. Cousins is a phenomenal regular season. Kirk Cousins is the greatest regular <laughs> yeah. season quarterback I've ever fucking seen. Yeah. One, 1 PM fucking Tom Brady right there. Yeah. But it like, like I said, playoffs is when it matters it show it separates the good from the great i still think he's a great player but the bills have to put something around him and they may be fucked because this it just seems like one of those scenarios where he's gonna keep winning just enough to get him in the deep playoff games or at least like win win their division and then they're not going to get good enough draft picks to actually build around him so they're gonna have to make a lot of free agent signings but when you're when you're reliant on free agent signing good players you're going to have to run that bankroll up and you're going to have to take a lot of hits in other areas. You know, we, we talk about it a lot with the Lamar scenario, like they want to bring back Lamar, but at the same time, he ain't there's going back. He ain't going back. Yeah. If you want to bring back Lamar, you're going to have to take a lot of hits in your payroll elsewhere on your team. I just, and it's really hard to do that. You know, the best championship teams aren't overpaying for any one guy. Mm-hmm. They're not. Other Look than what the Bucks did. Mike Evans took a pay cut. Tom Brady took a pay cut. They all took a pay cut to keep the roster together. Exactly. And it, that's what makes good teams great is they find ways to make shit work out. Like, uh, look, I'm not knocking anyone. If you want to win just MVPs and you just like want to play for yourself and earn that bag, by all means, bro, go do it for yourself. Yeah, do it, bro. Me and Zach would go fucking play for 500 million to go 0 and 12 every year. Yeah, I don't give a shit, dude. I'd go be fucking Calvin Johnson on the goddamn 0 and 16 lines. Yeah. I don't give, I don't give a flying fuck so long as I'm earning racks. But at the same time, don't talk about legacy when you're not winning rings. Like 100%. you're just, you're a, you, you're doing it for yourself and I can't knock you for that. But if you're for yourself, then I don't know how to word it. Just like only you care about you then. Cause I don't care about you. Like you're not winning rings. I don't really give a shit. Like fuck you. But um, back to this game, I want to get my quick input. First of all, dude, what I love about Joe Burrow, obviously he's cold as fuck and he's filthy is that. His composure, Zach, he never freaks out, ever. There's never a time on a play where if they're in his face or not, he's so composed. Another thing he did a really good job in this game, I don't know if you know this, there's three starting offensive linemen that did not play for the Bengals. It doesn't matter. Three. So his, he had to get the ball out super fast in the snow, and he did time and time again. His release was lightning fast. Like I said, there was never a moment where he looked freaked out, even when they're in his face, and I think – that that's a little psychological thing too. Is like you're the defense, like dude, we've hit this guy 50 times. Like he doesn't seem to get phased. You know, I feel like that's a that's definitely a factor in the game. Another thing I want to state, I think Jamar Chase is on another level of wide receivers. I think he's just so much better than these guys. I think that, I think he's better than Stephon Diggs. I think he's miles better than Justin Jefferson. I think he's just in. I think he's a in an elite status. I really do. I think that he's an elite status. And I shit talked the Bengals and they drafted him instead of an offensive lineman. And I regret it. I think him and Burrow, they just got it. And I don't know if it's Burrow that makes Jamar look good or Jamar that makes Burrow look good. I don't know if that's what it is, but whatever, whatever it is, I think Jamar is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's just fucking elite. Yeah. On the field side. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, since we're on the topic, I think this is a perfect example of complimentary pieces. You know, Jamar Chase is elite. There's no doubt about that. But the fact that Joe Burrow can sit there and no matter what disguise coverage you try to throw at him, because the whole point of disguising a coverage is you are either a bringing pressure or, you know, you're going to win on a pass rush and you're hoping the quarterback has to take an extra second to diagnose what coverage you're in in order to then read his receivers. Throw him off a little. Joe Burrow 
could give less of a fuck what coverage you're in, what you're disguising. He is able to diagnose so quickly where he needs to get the ball to. It's That's why I call it Tom Brady S because like he will literally pre-snap, get all the checks he needs to. He knows his O-line isn't good, but he doesn't give a shit because he's just... The moment he hits the peak of his three-step drop, the ball is already coming out. Oh, yeah, it's gone. You could literally have Lawrence Taylor of forklifting dudes, and it doesn't matter because the moment he hits his third step, boom, out. He got every sacked time. one time that whole game. Yeah. Two yards. Yeah. So, so they like back up with three out of five backup offensive linemen. Yeah. So they literally were just like, yeah, we kind of need an O-line, but like we don't though. Cause like no, I think this draft though, you have to get O-line. Like you can't, you're not gonna just keep surviving with Joe Burby See, and Cole. He, here's my thing. If they do get a good O-line, the league's fucked. Oh, it's over. it's over. It's yeah, over. They're, they're a franchise. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, no, that's fine. That him, him and Patty, you can just write that into like AFC Bro, championship game like every year. He's throws in two seconds. Imagine if he had five. Yeah. Like, ima- like imagine if he had shit. like – Imagine if he had like Andy Reid's type of system like with that O-line and he had like Patty's improv- improvisation. Because he has the skills of Patty. Like improvisation-wise, I'm not saying on talent. But like, I don't think he's as, as athletic though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not going to talk about like athleticism or like his ability to make some of these absurd throws. But just the way he's able to run around in the pocket, diagnose a guy downfield and still make the throw because he's just as accurate. Don't get me wrong. He's oh, just yeah. as fucking accurate. You give him an O line where he's able to do that for five, six seconds instead of two to three. You, you could run eight men in coverage. He's getting a first down. Like yeah. he's Jamal, eight. fucking Jamar down there somewhere. Just fucking yeah, yeah. Like Jesus Christ, it's it's almost scary to watch as it is now. Personally, I I thought the Chiefs were winning the AFC easily. Uh, dude, I don't even know anymore. I, it, if if Patty's not if Patty's not damn near 95 percent they're fucked well even when he was 100 percent, they still lost yeah last year so maybe maybe this is the time where joe bro's like you know i made it there last year so i know what it feels like i ain't i ain't fucking that up again they've also been using samaj p ron really well too on on rotating those backs joe burrow had 31 yards even jamar chase had had three yards but i think the other thing that makes jamar so good too also also listen t higgins also, dog. I think he could be a one, a number one on, on another team. They're stacked, but the thing I think that that helps Jamar with with uh, Joe Burrow too, since they've been with each other since college, they have chemistry out the ass. Joe Joe knows before the route's done and before the play is called, and he says hike. He knows exactly what what fucking uh, Jamar's gonna do, and he knows where he can throw it and where he can't. Versus if it was like you gave him a fresh guy, he doesn't have that chemistry. I think that trust and chemistry that they have too is extremely vital to their success. And I think we also see that in Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith. I think it's another thing we see it in there as well. Um, on the other side, so we're talking about how great the success was for the Bengals. Dude, the Bills will never, ever, ever win a Super Bowl if they can't establish a fucking run game. 63 rushing yards, bro? That's terrible. That's terrible. You need it. You're in the NFL. It's in college football. You can't get away with that. You need to establish a run game. The way I look at this game, Zach, was that the Bills went in there and they thought their like entity of them being the Bills was gonna like scare Cincinnati and Cincinnati's been playing behind the whole time. But instead, Cincinnati went in there like, fuck you, we can beat you. And they just stayed in their face. And it got to the point where the Bills, I think, got a little overwhelmed and they were like, We don't know what to fucking do anymore. Yeah. By the way, I wish so bad the Bengals would have worn their complete whiteout unis. If they would have had white so tough and they would have had white helmets in the snow, it would have looked so clean whooping that ass but let's be honest bro 27 to 10 does not do this game justice they worked them yeah, they completely dude, dominated the game 
even when it was 14 to seven, we were all sitting in our living room watching. And I looked over at uh, Shimmy and my brother and I was like, dude, I know this is a one score game. I was like, it does not, it feels like the bills aren't even close. Yeah. And this, it feels like they're getting molly whopped right now. That's how it kind of felt watching it. And then obviously beat him, ended up beating them by three scores. I saw the jokes, by the way, the low blows online where it's like, Oh, bills lost by three scores to honor DeMar Hamlin. Like, all right, bro. God damn. Like, Ooh, like that one, that one's a, uh, right in the kit. That one's gonna hurt. Yeah. That one's right in the foot. That's one of those sister. you don't laugh. You just do a, you know, you do a mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. How like, funny was it though when, when I don't know if you saw these memes, but I saw it and it's like they're like uh, Demar Hamlin live from the press box and he's waving and you can't even fucking see him because there's dude, just so much snow. Dude, I saw shit. Up. Dude, I saw shit that was like that definitely was not Demar. Like that was just some <laughs> random dude they locked in on in a press box and they were like, is it? They're like, are you sure that's fucking Demar? And the cameraman's like, ah. Yeah, dude, yeah. But it was so funny. Like, oh look how happy Demar looks, and my mom's like, I can't even see his face. <laughs> So, yeah, you're not wrong. It's so much it's, fucking snow. Yeah, it's it's a fake Demar Hamlin. They're running a fake. He's not really <laughs> yeah. in the press box. But I mean, yeah, like I said, Bengals stepped up. Their defense showed up for once, which I feel like it was a big, a big. I mean, the, I feel like the two biggest concerns from them going into this year was their O line and defense, and they both obviously seem to not matter in this game. Yeah, yeah. Also, I want to give a shout out. Gabe Davis has really stepped up for them this postseason. You know, with with everyone double teaming Stephon Diggs and really giving it hell. I feel like he's done a good job. Yeah, he had a couple drops. A couple shitty passes don't know him, but I feel like he did a good job at kind of helping even out the storm of the offense for the for the for Buffalo. Excuse me these uh these these two weeks in postseason. Also, fun fact, Zach, super random. The Buffalo Bills are the only team in the NFL where their logo and their mascot is based off of their city name, not their their team name. Wait, say that again. The Buffalo Bills are the only team in the NFL that their mascot and logo, like their entity is represented around their city name and not their team name. Their logo is a bison or a Buffalo. It's not a bill. The bills nickname comes from a guy named Cody bill who was some like pioneer or something involved with Buffalo back in the day. So it quite literally has nothing to do with the Buffalo bills. Look it up. Look it up. Yeah. That would be right. That Isn't that would, crazy to think about? That, yeah, that is really weird. Um, Super weird. Yeah, they're going to have to change their mascot to just some random Bill that they find, like Bill like, Maher. Or like one, a guy in a $1 suit, like it's just like a dollar. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just the Paul, Bill. It's just Paul Bunyan. They're just going to be called the Buffalo Bunyans. Yeah, that's, but that. that's all I really got to say for that game. I think if you're a Bills fan, you're upset, but we do – as long as Josh Allen's there, you guys are going to have so many opportunities, man. Yep. Buffalo, go smash a table or something. I'm sure it'll cure your woes or, I don't know, how do you baptize babies? You just put them through like a miniature plastic table. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not really big on the Buffalo culture. I mean, um, I am big on it. I'm just not as like into it, I guess. Like I, No, you're not well-educated on it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a well-educated Buffaloian, as, as I would say. Now, our next game was a very good game, and we said this. We said it depends on which Dallas team shows up, and I I did not watch the very end of this game, so I don't want to try to sound like I know too, too much. Brock Purdy is very good, but I think he more just fits the system rather than he's actually amazing, if that makes sense. 
and I'm not hating on him, bro. Good for him. Like, let him have a career. Good for him. But I don't think – I think if you took any of these quarterbacks that were starting in these in – these, um, these, except maybe Danny Dimes. If you took any of these quarterbacks that were starting in these playoff games and you put them in this 49ers system, I think they'll all do, get the same – at least the same results that Brock Purdy has. Whoa, Danny Dimes would do a lot fucking better than Brock Purdy. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. The one thing, the one thing I will admit though that Brock Purdy does that that Jimmy G didn't do is he utilizes George Kittle very well. I mean, think about all the memes that we, we saw in the season of George Kittle being another offensive lineman, or like George, like he was pissed, and he's been utilized, dude. That catch he had, that one-handed catch, one-handed, headbutts it and then catches it, filthy, filthy. 49ers defense, filthy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we saw the Dak that we've been seeing all season, in my opinion, you know, he just isn't really that guy. Uh, they also couldn't establish a running game to save their lives. 76 total yards. Like that's just atrocious. I think we saw, you know, that the Cowboys aren't that good and the Bucks just sucked more than the Cowboys were good. Um, as well as, uh, did you see the memes or, or, or the posts of pregame, the kicker? Who's the fucking kicker for the Cowboys? Maher. Huh. Yeah, he's out there. Yeah, Brett Maher. Doing, I mean, good for him. He went two for two in, in kicks this game. He did miss a P, or the PT was blocked. But that shit was still missing wide left. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go very I, far. I, it was going to go very far wide left. I agree. But did you see pregame? He was like missing a bunch of field goals, and fucking Jerry Jones went down to the field to talk to him. And everyone's <laughs> like, bro, what the actual fuck is Jerry Jones going to tell this guy? Like, what? I mean, Jerry Jones definitely was like, look, if you ever want to step foot in Dallas again, it was you better fucking make that shit like you yeah and if i'm maher better all i gotta do is survive on the roster for two more years and you die bro <laughs> and i'm gonna stay the dallas cowboys kicker for as long as possible oh fuck he's literally like talking back to jerry he's like he goes i have a higher probability of making my kicks than you do of being alive every kick i miss is just another stroke waiting to happen for you oh jerry Jerry, you get in my face. I'm going to miss every fucking kick possible. <laughs> Jerry, I'm going to kick your life expectancy away. You hear me, Jerry? But, oh, I mean, yeah, that's all I really got to say about that game. I think the 49ers put together the best team in the NFL right now. Um, I think them versus the Eagles has the potential to be the greatest game of the year. Yeah, so where I'm going to go with this is I'm going to say the 49ers are playing very average football right now and cruising past some below average playoff teams. Um, obviously, they're going to have to be playoff teams, but just in terms of talented roster-wise, I just think the 49ers are clear above everyone. Here's the issue, though. You run into the Eagles next week playing how you've been playing. In the Philly, Eagles, in Philly. In in Philly, the Eagles are going to fucking dog walk. Yeah, I agree. I'm sorry. You have, you have to play a lot better football. Brock Purdy is going to have to step up in a sense if you want to win. Otherwise, you're. I have no question that you can make it to the big game. You can probably squeak out another win if the Eagles don't play great football, but based off what I saw against the Giants. If they, if, if they play the way they both played last week, they're fucked. Yeah, Eagles are going to dog walk yeah. them. That's kind of how I see it. You know, 49ers are a really talented team, but you're not going to be able to survive against the Eagles only scoring one touchdown. You only put up 19 on the Cowboys. Gardner Minshew put up 41 on the fucking Cowboys. So don't even – I don't even want to know what Jalen Hurts is going to put up on you. God forbid. I know you have a great defense, but you know every they, every strength that you have on the 49ers side of the ball, the Eagles match up. Just yeah, Eagles well. match it 100. Except exactly. Christian McCaffrey. But regardless, I mean, death by committee. What are you going to run right up the middle? I think 
Brock Purdy's been doing what he need, what they've asked him to do, and now he's going to need to do what he needs. Yeah. He needs, yeah. yeah. It, it's not going to be a Brock just play your game. Basically, what I feel like they've been doing with Brock is like just don't lose us the game, and you'll be fine. You don't have to do too much. So just make the basic throws. Don't lose us the game. You'll be fine. The Eagles are going to put the game in Brock Purdy's hands. This is going to be his first big test, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, just based off the game itself, though, you know, I was very adamant in saying that Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn just aren't Super Bowl caliber coaches. I'm sorry that I was right, Cowboys fans. I, I know it hurts to say <laughs> so that. Fuck you, Matt Guard. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm lucky that I made Grayson's graphic to make him look smarter because at the end of the day, I am just uh, I'm just a genius. This is how this shit plays out. But regardless, what the actual what the actual fuck was that last play call? What by the way, Dalton Schultz having a complete brain fart and just not taking two steps in bounds and then just fucking your team even more. Like wow, shout out you. But then who fucking came up? We're like, we're going to let Zeke snap the ball. By himself. He's, by himself. He's going to get absolutely pancaked. We're going to throw a seam route right at a middle linebacker to where uh, Darton or whatever is just going to get absolutely flattened, and then the game's going to end like that. Like, that's just all we're going to do. Like, dude, I would have been more content if they would have run, like, the monster coverage where you have three linemen and three linemen spread out, and then you just have two wide receivers following them up the field, and you just – fucking do a little rugby match you know like maybe maybe practice rugby for a week if you're gonna do some shit like that but what the fuck i i felt like Dude, I, I felt like every time too zach every time the cowboys like had a chance or got back they just shot themselves in the foot like they had that huge long drive right before half and then dak does a pick yeah like not only that but what it felt like to me is I felt like what was going to happen, the way it was playing out, is I was like, this is really going to come down to a Maher field goal to win or tie the game, and they're going to fuck. They know they're fucked, and they're just like, they're going to have no choice. They're going to be like, well, we can't just go for it at the 30. Like, we got to kick it, right? And then they're like, dude, you know if we kick this ball, we're fucked. Like, you know if we kick this, we're fucked. Yeah, I don't know how Mike McCarthy keeps getting jobs. Yeah, um, I attribute it to he's been surrounded by really good players. He has a Super Bowl with the Green Bay, right? Yeah, he did win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers because Rodgers finally got a decent defense in one game. So, you know, typical. But, I mean, I don't know, dude. It, it just feels like the way the, this kind of playoffs are boiling down to it's kind of been like just the frauds have slowly been getting eliminated. Like the first week we had. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The, Viking, the Vikings and the were Bucks. the frauds. And the Bucks. The Vikings and the Bucks were frauds. They got eliminated. And the second round, we got the Cowboys frauds eliminated. Uh, Jags weren't really fraudulent, but like kind of like not, not a real Super Bowl contender. Should and then, have been the Chargers. Yeah, it should have been Chargers. But then the next game, well, I mean, the Chargers got exposed for their fraudulent behavior by the Jags. The Jags were like, you're yeah. actually fraudulent. And they're like, all right, but we're a little less fraudulent, so like we kind of deserve this. And then now this week, I feel like we're going to get the 49ers being eliminated for being fraudulent just on their quarterback aspect, being like, oh, you thought you thought a game manager could carry you this far? Like, sorry, son. And then on the other side of things, you know, I feel like the Chiefs may get caught for their fraudulent behavior <laughs> just for relying on Patty too There's hard. There's so much fraudulence. Yeah, there's so much fraudulency. It's, it's a fraudulent pandemic. We're having a a fraud pandemic here in the NFL, and I'm I'm gonna get to the bottom of this, the fraud demic, as we call it. But yes, um, yeah, I guess that that'll be my closing statement. The fraud pandemic uh, will come to a close shortly. 
Yeah, I don't really got much more to say either. I mean, it was fun. I thought the game should be a little bit better. I really thought the Eagles-Giants game was going to be the game um, to watch. But, you know, it is what it is. That's what we love about postseason. Any final words, Mr. Zach Watts? Nah, let's just enjoy another week of football while we have it. You know, our time is coming to an end. Yeah, but on the bright side, yep, sir. Yep, on the bright side, we are going to be shifting more into our MMA phase of clocks on the stove. So for our fight lovers who are gambling degenerates, we will definitely get you some money. Or people just want to learn more about fighting. Yeah, we'll we'll try to do that too. But um, more often than not, we're probably gonna we're, we're probably gonna win you some money. So. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. And episode 69, Teehee, of Clocks on the Stove, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs recap. Nice.